Welcome to The Hollow Point, your source for the latest guns, gear, and gossip, with your host, Rich Nance and Mike Barilla. Welcome to the show, everybody. Mike Barilla here with uh, Rich Ranch, Ranch Nance, <laughs> as always. Um, today, we're lucky to have Dave Spaulding, actually, for a second time on the show. He's calling in. Um, welcome, Dave. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. So, you know, you want to start with the elephant in the room, Rich? Ranch? Yeah, there was a, an incident today that was uh, apparently on Fox News. I didn't know that. I, I think it happened yesterday. I woke up sort of late today after working last night. But anyway, some of us do actually have to work. We can't all be retired like, like Dave. Did you, have a, did you have troubles with some plastic bottles last night while you were on duty? <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> I heard about that one. But, uh, okay. you know, there was the officer in Southern California who was grappling with a teenager. Looks like he was trying to detain him. There was a bunch of other kids around. Uh, at one point, uh, drew his pistol, um, and, and at another point, there seemed to be an accidental discharge, a negligent discharge, whatever you want to call that. Um, well, there's some question of that because some of the news sources are saying it was a warning shot. Some people are calling it a negligent discharge. You know, um, in my opinion, it looked like an ND just because he's you know going to pull the kid at the exact same time, and it happens to go off in no particular direction, no real you know no one you know cops are always warning shots don't really exist you know what i mean it's not really Gen a thing generally to do. generally discouraged <laughs> yeah dave what's your take on that brother i think it was an involuntary discharge due to a sympathetic muscle contraction the reason i say that was because you'll notice that he he was grabbing the gun with his left hand and he kind of turned the hand in like a cavalry jaw did you well, see exactly. that yeah because he's he had it set up for a right-hander you know and yeah and he had his right hand on the kid he was trying to pull across the hedge so i think what happened because he was clenching with the right hand his left hand sympathetically engaged the trigger and of course sure. fortunately it fired into the ground yeah. yeah that's the the lucky part of everything let's you know kind of take some perspective here no one got hurt which is you know or worse so that's always a, a good thing um now now rich i mean you know you're you're a you're an officer and dave you were um what is he doing in that case? i mean what, what well, what's the point there i understand the desire to detain someone you know until the until the uniformed officers arrive but you got to constantly weigh is it worth it and at some point, it became definitely not worth it unless that kid did something a lot more serious than, than it appears um, when other kids start shoving the officer and everything else. And, but sometimes when you're, when you're in the moment, you, you get wrapped up, and I have, to, I have to stay here. I can't disengage. But yeah. oftentimes, disengaging or tactical even, retreat, even not intervening to begin with unless it's a serious matter is usually the way to go. Dave? Well, let me play devil's advocate. If you watch the video, at least I did from Fox News, you know, there was teenagers that were jumping across that short hedgerow and looked like they were trying to flank him in his driveway. Sure. So, you know, 2020 hindsight is the standard from Fourth Amendment Graham and Garner decisions. So trying to put yourself into his shoes, the house is to his back. He's got kids kind of trying to flank around him. Did he feel threatened? And that's the kind of thing you don't get from a, a, a single dimensional cell phone video from some kid. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. I just meant even before that, you know, do you, because I guess the, the main complaint with they, they were stomping on yards and, and things like that, you know, 
at a point where is it worth detaining them to begin with or even getting yourself in a situation where there's 20 you know teenagers around you well you know the my understanding from the news report was that they had been crossing his lawn over and over and over again and he probably just got ticked i could see dave now, on his it, porch yelling at kids to get off his lawn with a garand yeah, yeah with an m1 of well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm an old man. I reserve the right to scream at children. You guys <laughs> will too someday. Uh, but uh, you know, should he have initially? You know, maybe not. But he did. Yeah. So, and... looking at it from that standpoint, as a property owner, does he have the right to tell people to get off his property? Sure, he does. But it looked to me like we had a. Uh, a series of errors that all came together and what sure could end up a, a tragic situation. You know, my thing is, I hear your point, Dave, once a gun's out, um, you know, at that point, maybe, maybe drawing it was appropriate. Again, we only know a little snippet of what happened, but my exactly. thing is, my thing is before that, when he's, he's, he's holding onto this kid, the kid's seemingly trying to pull away, let the kid pull away, give a description yeah. of the kid. I mean, that, you know, again, like you said, twenty twenty hindsight. But when we're when we're in the moment, we're kind of charged up. It's hard for us to think. But what we really need to do is we need to think our way through those situations so that we're not in a situation where, God forbid, if this round would have struck someone. Yeah, and can you touch maybe on a little bit more on the technical side of that sympathetic muscle, you know, motion and what other situations that happens in? Well, sure. I mean, the I think the most simple way to describe it is that what one side of the body does, the other side wants to do a lesser extent. And in the case of this particular situation, you know, he clenched with his right hand, so sympathy he clenched to a lesser degree with his left hand. Uh, it was once described to me that a sympathetic clench of the hand can be as much as 25% of your total hand strength. Now, both of you guys probably have well in excess of 100 pounds of hand strength. And probably so did that officer. So a sympathetic clench can be 25 pounds. So we can argue all we want about trigger weights and crap like that. But unless you've got a 25-pound trigger on your pistol, it's probably not going to fight against a sympathetic clench of the hand. One of the things that I'll throw out to your, to your listeners is the next time they're trying on a pair of shoes, they'll probably pull on the right shoe. They'll, they'll stand up. They'll tie the lace. And they'll probably wiggle their toes back and forth. If they take the time to notice as they're wiggling them toes, they'll notice the toes on their left foot kind of flick a little bit. That's the perfect example of a sympathetic muscle contraction. It's funny, Dave. You know, when someone's doing a an offhand reload and they're when they're using their left hand, so they're ejecting the magazine with their left index finger. You could see right. their right index finger, <laughs> you know, even though their right arm is, play, is forth, playing yeah. dead, the right index finger is jumping around. It, it is unusual. Yeah, I don't practice Most that. people don't take notice of it, but it's a very common thing. Yeah, so, I mean, it's always what could be learned from this, I think, and again, not to condemn the officer because we don't know. All we know is this little snippet, but just think whether or not you should intervene to begin with. I wouldn't unless it's a pretty serious matter. Secondly, if you do intervene, you can disengage. You don't have to continue this thing. I mean, if you can safely disengage, which apparently at one point it looked like he, he could have, um, the longer you hold this kid, the more people gather around, 
the more bad stuff is going to happen. At one point, one of the other kids ran up and shoved this officer uh, from the from the flank, like you said, Dave. Um, yeah. And 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 also another thing to note, and again, I don't say this in any way to mock the officer because I have experienced it many times. You notice how uh, uncoordinated the draw was. Now, in this particular case, he's drawing with his left hand cavalry style, as you mentioned, Dave. But yeah. just even to get the shirt up, it was, and again, you're doing this offhand. How much do we practice this? Well, my, plus you're engaged with another person, you know, on the with your with absolutely. Your main name, so but it's... but that's that, that's my point is that it's easy to practice good clean draw strokes for time from <laughs> from a distance. But how often do we practice drawing within contact with an assailant or with our offhand only to draw? I mean, this is stuff that you got to practice, obviously with blue guns yeah Speak, <laughs> so. speaking of practicing this uh what do you have coming up dave oh uh, well right now i'm on kind of a short sabbatical because i just had a, a new grandson born but uh, uh the first weekend in march uh, i've got a sold out class in chicago followed by a sold out class in mississippi followed by the Ayalita convention, which the, the reason I'm going to that is because I want to meet that rich Nance fella <laughs> because he's so famous and everything. And then Don't after you... that, I come back and start classes almost every weekend and I'm pretty much sold out into the summer. Yeah. Ayalita is really, really neat. Mike, something I'm looking forward to. It's the largest uh, law enforcement trainers uh, convention in the world. Where's that uh, held at? It's going to be in St. Louis this year. Dave, uh, Dave, you've probably been going forever. I'll let you talk about that in a second. But um, Dave is the 2010 Law Enforcement Trainer of the Year, which was, Ailita was part of the, uh, organ one of the organizations that presented that. It's Law Officer and Ailita. Am I right, Dave? I was awarded the 2010 by Ailita and Law Officer Magazine. As you know, Law Officers Magazine's gone, so Ailita awards that themselves now. Sure. Anyway, so talk about it. I mean, when did you start going to that conference? Oh, crap. I went to the predecessor, ASLET, the American yeah. Society of Law Enforcement Trainers. Sure. I think the first conference I ever went to was 1988, 89, something like that. Mike, age check. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, it would have yeah. been the year I was born. Mike was born that year. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so so I've been going to those and, and ILFE, the International Law Enforcement Firearms Instructors Conference. I've been going to those for decades. Sure. It's, it's good, man. I mean, a lot of Longer the guys... than Mike's been alive. <laughs> you know, last year was my first year at Ailita, and for some reason, you weren't there last year. Um, you took the year class. off. Okay. Imagine I that. conflict class. Imagine that. So, um, but it was great, and, and talking to a lot of the guys there, I mean, it's a place where they all go to kind of charge the battery, um, recharge the battery, I should say. It's, it's With not whiskey? A, yeah, yeah. It's not a paid... Nobody gets paid to be there. At least I don't, but uh, my agency won't even won't even give me time off to go there, which is kind of a, a bummer. But uh, to me, it's worth it. You get to go there. It's probably the best networking event there is um, for uh, defensive tactics or firearms trainers within the law for uh, enforcement industry, and uh, you get to take classes from people. I mean, a lot of times, you know, Dave's schedule is so busy teaching all the time, he doesn't get that much opportunity to really train with others as much as he'd like, right, Dave? No, that's absolutely true. I try to get taken a class or two a year just to kind of see what's going on, see what other folks are doing. And uh, uh, Ayalita, and as was Aslet and Ilefi, that's your opportunity to get, you know, short snippets of, of ideas and concepts and things from uh, other other instructors. And, and even though a lot of them maybe not are, are not name recognition type instructors, 
doesn't mean there isn't a lot of really good information going on out there. So, I mean, and, and look in your case, you know, you're not very well known. They're letting you go. So, <laughs> you know, that just plays it. Hey, I thought you were going to say I wasn't very good. Not very well known. That's kind of a a compliment coming from you <laughs> by the omission of the the, the bigger <laughs> dig you know what you, you, you can't even take a kick in the balls well but that's just <laughs> hey wrong. how about that video while we're talking about oh i thought i lost you dave uh how about that video did you guys see it where the the chinese kung fu guy is, is allowing people to kick him in the nuts as hard as he you, you know what the trick is there right a, a cup? cup? No, it's called a. Um, actually, did some digging into this. It's called a string method. So they, there's, there's actually. Is this is this rated PG? No, it is. It, uh, it's a trick that's been around for centuries. Basically, there's in the pants. There's a, um, a string that's tied around. I think the knee, like right below the kneecaps, and it, it basically tensions there, so you can kick as hard as you can, and it won't go anywhere. That's all it is. He's not actually getting kicked on the balls. So you're saying a string wanna, is moving his junk out of the way? More. No, it's not. It's not moving out of the way. It's absorbing the kick. Oh, okay. Because the pants you. are loose oh, enough, see. and then there's like I an see. elastic, basically string that's wrapped around both knees and kind of coming up through the crotch. I think the guy's just focusing his chi on his groin. <laughs> Maybe. Is that what chi does? Yeah, that's what she does. I mean, chi does. <laughs> I All put right. that <laughs> anyway. Let's... Dave, take us out of here into a training direction somehow. Holy! Oh, crap. I had one. <laughs> Uh, I have one, kind of. Um, This is another kind of thing that's been going around lately. I forgot who the writer was on this. Um, But basically, uh, the speed rock. Did either of you guys see this? I talk about the negative aspects of the speed rock. Dave... Dave, I don't like the speed rock. He doesn't like it, but like me, it has a... Oh, you like... It has a place, but I think that you're... You're doing yourself a disservice if you're in free space and you don't have to, and you lean your body back because that's so what you want the bad guy's the body. Speed lock to be. not being relevant, but I know of four situations where it worked, and I'm getting ready to do one of my handgun combatives videos with one of the guys that actually used it to save his life. Cool. When you got four people that have used it to save your life, it's kind of hard for me to dismiss it. Yeah, I guess the 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 knock against it wasn't necessarily that, but there's been a ton of you know Instagram, social media videos of people doing it just to get the quickest time possible, and then not really recovering or doing what, anything what, you know beyond that. Oh, that's cowboy shit. Exactly, yeah. and that yeah, kind of what I don't like about uh, some of those videos where the guys are very skilled um, is that they're shooting from retention, uh, multiple multiple shots while on multiple targets while their offhand is at their chest you're going to get run it's not realistic i mean the guys are not going to be standing there the guys are going to be fighting you let's put it in let's put it in perspective the speed rock is intended for a reactive or reflexive style of shooting you know where you're caught by surprise In, in the case of the officer that i'm going to be interviewing they were looking for a teenager that had tried to stab his mother well, he was checking the house for him. He stepped into the bathroom. The kid flung the shower curtain back, took a swipe at him. Well, he leaned back because the the uh, bathroom counter was there. He had no place to go. Speed rocked him, shot him, killed him dead right there. And, and that is the perfect example of what the speed rock is for. Absolutely. Close confines, no place to go. Exactly. A reflective, reactive type of shooting. So is that a limited application? Absolutely. But we can't dismiss it uh in my critical space class which you two guys are supposed to be in this coming year 
um, we'll spend a, a small amount of time on the speed rocket. It makes some sense. No, I, I think you're absolutely right, Dave. I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's just that I think that some people think it looks cool or, or they don't understand its application. It's limited application, as you said, and they think that's the answer for close quarter shooting, but you don't want your upper body leaning away from the assailant in a close quarter <laughs> confrontation if you can help it. Well, sure. I mean, it, it all really comes down to application. We can talk about a gazillion different techniques, but unless you have an application for said technique, we really can't talk about the technique intelligently because the application is everything. Sure. And like the three of us have talked before while we were drinking adult beverages, so much of gunfighting comes down to adaptation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at the word adapt, it's defined as, you know, to change is necessary. That's easier said. I mean, that that's fine. But the test is really in being adaptive, which means having the ability to change as necessary. And that's where many people fall apart. They don't have the ability to change as necessary. And that brings us right back to uh, to application. Dave, you know, the book, uh, my book, uh, I got a lot of positive feedback. One of the knocks I got you for that book, <laughs> one of the knocks I got for it um, was that it was not uh, it was not like a complete system from A to Z how you prepare for a close quarter gunfight, and oh, it's because shut there's up. no such thing. <laughs> you 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 know what? It, it's it's not a you know so many people out here. And I see this all the time. They want a definitive answer to a particular problem. There isn't one. What you do in in various classes, whether it's myself or Chris Costa or any of the other guys that you've had out there. What we're going to do is we're going to give you some skill sets. You have to have the ability to apply them and adapt them to the situation you face. And we can't give solutions to everything. That really comes down to mindset and having the ability to do that. And But I will tell you something. If you don't have skills to adapt and apply, you're going to be dead. Mindset only takes you so far. Exactly. You know what else you you are at that point? You're an idiot of mind along with a mindset. Really, You've got to have a state of mind and um, you, you got to be able to apply that stuff. And and most people who are asking those kind of questions or making the statement like they did in your book. Yeah, it's because they really don't know how to apply and adapt. And what they're wanting you to do is pat them on the ass and say, oh, no, no, here and here. This is going to be just fine. This is what you do. It's not going to be. They want the assurance from you that all they have to do is know the material of this book and they're going to be fine no matter what situation they find themselves in. And you know what? In every one of my classes, I give them an assurance. I give them this. I'm pretty assured that I will not be with you in your (laughs) gunfight. So you better do it on your own there, Jocko. You know, any new uh, coins lately or sorry, they're belt buckles now. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a belt buckle, which is kind of exciting. Uh, Jake Siebens from Aries Gear uh, proposed that to me, and you know, I was really happy with it because, quite frankly, I kind of think the morale patch and the challenge coin are kind of – they're still there, but they don't garner the excitement they used to. But you tell somebody that they're going to win a $130 Aries Gear belt, they get kind of pumped up about that. Yeah, they, they check the chamber, huh? Yes, they do. Th- those Aries belts, I'll <laughs> tell you, I've never taken mine off. Oh, no, not this again. <laughs> oh, he's uh, he's going to make me a couple of custom belts to my design. I'm going to go up there and see him next month when he gets back from Germany. He's on vacation right now. But I've been kind of hammering him to make a, a Velcro closure belt to my specs. 
uh, and especially for guys like you, you guys that like the uh, appendix carry. Yeah. You ever notice how you never can kind of get the belt buckle right where you want it? Mm-hmm. Well, with this type of closure, you won't have to worry about it. Mm. Hey, you should see if he does suspenders too. Right. You need suspenders <laughs> at your age? I yeah. need something to hold his kilt up. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, too much. So you got a couple classes coming up. You're going to be out here when November again? Um, yeah, that's what you scheduled. Are you still going to be in that business? I uh, very possibly. <laughs> okay. right. uh, I'll be there one way or another. Hopefully, we got the, the the kid on the way. So we got what another another eight weeks of silence. I think. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, I've got uh, three or four people already signed up for that class, and it's not till November. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's not much, you know, not many people want to come out here anymore, so those classes really tend to uh, draw a lot of attention and get sold out pretty quickly. Dave, well, what I'm hoping, what I'm hoping this year, Mike, is that Rich Nance does something to to earn his free tuition. Because well, he's going to bring his whole family, that's well for sure. He didn't do nothing last year. Hey, nothing. all we have to advertisement, do. Advertisement, he didn't do nothing. That's well, he big. didn't have to, to be fair. Your name, your name, Dave Spaulding, just... People sign up for the class. You don't even. I was going to have Alfredo design a flyer, but that'd be a waste by, of money. By the time you he got around to it, it was sold out. If you don't do, if you don't do something, I'm going to give the free slot to Mike's dog because it, it probably did more than you did. Hey, congratulations on your new grandchild. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that very much. And uh, tell us a little bit about it. Boy, girl, Grayson. name. It's, his, it's a boy, Grayson Thomas. You know, it's uh, Darren's son, yep. my, my son-in-law, who does my social media. He's uh, healthy, happy, and, uh, you know, I haven't my, – my wife and I haven't seen him as much as we had liked because, you know, we had that head cold crud sneezing yeah. coughing that was going around. So we're both trying to get over that so we can spend a little more time with him. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks again for being on the show. Before we that, let before we let you go back to your adult beverages and sunshine, tell us a little bit about the weather in uh, in Ohio right now. It's freaky. I've lived in Ohio all my life, sixty plus years. I've never seen a February like this for over a week. It's been in the sixties and sunny. Today it's seventy, and wow. the sun it's it's a little overcast right now because it's supposed to rain this evening. Tomorrow it's supposed to be seventy two. Nice. So I'm enjoying the hell out of global warming, but <laughs> I, I understand enough about Ohio weather to know we're going to pay a price for this in March. We're going to have a <laughs> snowstorm from well, hell. Well, I'll never forget when I was there with you taking your course in Dayton, and uh, it was hotter than hell. And the next morning, I was heading to the airport, and you told me no, that we it, were filming. We were filming the TV show. We were filming, and you told Personal me it's going to be TV. it's going to yeah. be snowing tomorrow, and it's <laughs> like 70 degrees. I go, there is no way it's going to be snowing tomorrow. I get up to go to the airport. The old man was right. It was freaking snowing. He felt it in his elbows, huh? <laughs> It'll change. That's the thing about Ohio. If you don't like the weather, just wait a little bit. It'll change. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for being with us, Dave. Well, you guys, thanks for having me. It's good seeing you again. Well, I saw Mike's hand. Good seeing you again, Rich. <laughs> Take care, brother. See you, bub. Bye. Yeah, that was, that was, that was good of Dave to, uh, to come on. Yeah, always good to talk to Dave. He's he's always got something to say, whether you want to hear it or not. <laughs> and you know, he's one of the few that's um, it's been around in a while. You know, enough to to talk to a lot of people and get a lot of firsthand uh, experiences. And you know, in this in this world and in this industry, which not a lot of people have. 
Yeah, you know, we joke a lot, but Dave is is really a mentor to me and done a lot a lot for me uh, to help to help uh, with my training career. So, yeah, you know, and he just gave you a nickname, <laughs> a ranch. I like that, ranch. Rich Nance Ranch. Yeah, when you mix Rich Nance, it's ranch. It's I like that. Cool. Um, oh, you know, something else that kind of happened while we were away. Again, sorry for um, being off so long. We kind of had a couple scheduling things there with the the kid that I ha- I'm going to blame everything on the kid on the way. <laughs> Already. Yeah, just because, you know, it, it works. You can't feel bad for me. You can't be mad at me. Um, it's just because mom is not here to slap you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, the, the we talked a couple times already about the California uh, assault weapons ban, the new one, and the regs and everything. And regs did end up coming out, you know, at the end of December. They go through a process uh, through OAL or the Office of Administrative Law which basically uh, goes through all the regs to see if they're underground regulations or if they're supported in law and all that. Usually they just rubber stamp, rubber stamp everything unless there's a big um, organized kind of protest against it, which there usually isn't in this kind of stuff. Um, but uh, February 10th, I think it was, out of nowhere, uh, DOJ yanked the regulations, so they voluntarily withdrew them. Which everybody thought was a huge victory for the Second Amendment. It's really not because one way or another there has to be regs in place and we'd rather have them sooner than later. The other thing that came in is a new attorney general here in California got um, confirmed. Uh, So Becerra has now uh, replaced Kamala Harris, which isn't a good thing for us. I mean, I think it's a little worse even if that was... Hard to imagine. Possible, yeah, right? So the the regs got yanked you know some people are happy about this some people not so much you know i'm in the more not so much crowd only because at least we knew uh what the enemy was and had you know or not the enemy you know what i'm trying to say knew what the 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 word was knew what the regulations were sure um and now that they're not you know they can come back um we may have jumped the gun (laughs) get it um, you know, the industry, because a lot of people started introducing, you know, these featureless kits or these other mag locks. And I think DOJ might DOJ's have... DOJ's like, ah, just kidding. Yeah, do you, you know, that complied with the other regulations. But the problem was that those regulations weren't set in stone yet. And so the the problem comes in now. They can kind of amend them to, to fix in what their eyes are problems, you know, that yeah. they missed this, that they missed that. So they're going to go through it all. Um, hopefully they're going to respond to some of the stuff that they accidentally, ban- you know, in those regs, like you couldn't have tube fed shotguns were a problem. There were a couple other issues there. So hopefully they, they'll fix all that. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, those at least will get fixed, but you know, them pulling it is not a good thing. You know, historically, you know, last time the, the AW ban happened, I think they only allowed like a month for registration, if I remember right, you know, yeah. um, looking back at the record. So the problem is now that they they can come back at any time. Yeah. Um, you know, they can come back in November or December and only give us a, you know, 20 day window to 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 uh, register stuff, which is problematic and on its face kind of bullshit to be you honest. You would think that would even be bad for DOJ. Yes and no because they want the fewest guns registered so that people either have to get them out of the state or get arrested for them yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want these these out there. So I'm hoping that's not what happens. Um, but there's no way to know right now, um, unfortunately, whether they're they're holding on to them just to hold on to them. Because what happens later is because they're they're going to kind of do what they did with uh, uh, some other regs. But what they do, there's another process called uh, like an emergency rulemaking process that basically sidesteps OAL. But they, I mean, it still goes through OAL, but it has they have to prove that there's an emergency to put the regs in. Mm-hmm. 
So I have a feeling that they're going to try to say in like November, hey, there's an emergency but because we only have, but they're creating the yeah, emergency. exactly. They're creating the, the exigency. So, but I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah. And to, to try to sidestep the OAO process, um, I'm, you know, I don't know this for a fact because I'm not in on the inside, obviously, but they probably got a wink and a nod from OAL saying, hey, you know, there's no way we're going to improve these. So you have to change this, this, this. And then, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's even more confusing now, I think, than it was a few weeks ago. Right. I mean, no one really knows. Yeah. You know, it, it, it sucks, honestly, because we now we have a moving target again, and all these companies that are investing money into California compliance solutions, or you know, distribution, or new manufacturing. Um, you know that they don't even know what the rules that they're trying to to abide by are at this point. Yeah. So we'll keep you guys apprised when we hear something else. But for now, Californians are just kind of in limbo. Yeah, you know, right now it's 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 going to be a little rough for a while just to, I, you know, no one has any news. I don't know if they're just sitting on them or if they're going to end up putting out something totally different or trying to repass the same ones. There's no way to know. Mike, switching gears and kind of trying to tie this up uh, with what we started the show with, uh, let's talk for a minute about external safeties on handguns. Sure. Uh, you and I are both kind of partial to Glock, and Glock obviously does not have any external safeties. Um, that you have to manipulate. You know, there's the, the trigger safe, but that's that's kind of yeah, a different... that's uh, a passive safety. Exactly. So, you know, you go back to that incident we, we, we looked at earlier, or we talked about earlier, and maybe if there was an external safety, that off-duty officer would not have had an unintended discharge. Okay, but bear with me here. When you draw your pistol, what's the first thing you do as you're coming up? True. It would almost take a conscious effort, if yeah. you did it right, to have to activate and the to safety. And to me, why would you ever draw your pistol and have the safety still on? Yeah. It really doesn't make sense to me. I mean, maybe like a 1911-ish, but even on a 1911, you know, as soon as I draw it, it's still vertical and the safety's off by the time it's coming up. You know, that's, yeah. that's one of the natural yeah. draw stroke things. Yeah. So I don't know if that case, you know... See, what I do with the... I guess I, what you could do in that case is turn it back on so that you could drag yeah. the kid... But that takes a real yeah. conscious effort, and you're offhand. Well, now your gun has to have an ambi safety, hopefully, and then you're. It's just such a crapshoot, you know. You never know when you. All of a sudden, another kid draws a gun or you know knife or whatever, mm-hmm. and then. You're, now see, I don't take the safety off until I'm punching out, until yeah. I'm like you know up at chest ready and, and ready to punch out. But uh, and that yeah. probably makes sense. But you know, because what he did, I, I don't think he drew and punched out. He drew just to have his gun yeah. out and was like in a kind of a one-handed low ready. A situation so anyway i mean there could be some pros to having an external safety but i think I'll it'd say, be like if you carry 1911 you know that's a that's one thing for an ambi safety there because you absolutely could be really screwed if you, absolutely you drew yep. it you know with yep. your offhand and all of a sudden can't and, reach the safety i mean you still you're you know, fumbling you're fumbling to do yeah. it in a situation that you're already fumbling through so i don't know in that um, case whether that would have helped or not i'm not i'm not a huge proponent i think that you know trigger discipline is a way better way to um you know, negate that kind of negligent discharge there. But I don't know how much a safety may have changed something. It may not have. No, it's just a consideration. On the flip side of that, and one of the reasons why I'm not a fan of external safeties on firearms, generally speaking, is that I was filming recently, and uh, there was a firearm that had an external, uh, a thumb safety. And the first couple draws, the thumb safety was on, and I was intending to shoot, and I was, the, the safety was on. Then when I realized, hey, dummy, this is a, a thumb safety firearm. I intentionally left the thumb safety on fire, and somehow during drawing that pistol, which is one I haven't worked with much, um, 
I was inadvertently activating the safety. So I was drawing and intending to fire, but I was getting a dead trigger. You know, so that, that to me is very scary. Now, granted, if I was going to carry that pistol, I would work with it a hell of a lot more and would be confident with it. But it's just one more thing that you're going to have to deal with. Yeah, the only gun I, I really like having an external safety on is a single action, you know, something like a, sure. a 1911, which I love to shoot, but um, I would never carry one, to be dead honest. Yeah, and I mean, I have carried 1911s, but the ones I've carried have been compact, you and know. And pre-World yeah. War II. <laughs> so, um, but no, I, I get it. I mean, for the same reasons that, that you say, I mean, when you have that nice sliding trigger, uh, that generally doesn't take a lot of uh, weight. It, it's kind of comforting to know that you also have that thumb safety and the, the grip safety as well, although the grip safety doesn't doesn't do too no, much. No, I mean, it's, it's just, another passive safety. Almost, yeah. Um, you know, but like on some of those guns, you know, you get those Smith & Wesson shields. Man, those safeties are almost impossible to actually work. They're, yeah. they're really awkwardly placed, and it just takes way too much, you know, effort to turn it on or off to me, you know, versus yeah. just you know, concentrating on where your finger is and, and staying safe that way. We'll just have one more, uh, I'll make one more comment, Mike, then I'll be quiet about this topic. (laughs) But also when when you talk about, you know, uh, staging your finger along the frame or finger straight or indexing, whatever you want to call it to where your index finger is not on the trigger or inside the trigger guard. The way I do it is I keep my finger uh, flat and I put a lot of my finger against the frame and it's kind of held higher up. That's why with some uh, handguns that have like a grip laser, the laser is obscured by my index finger when I'm indexed. Um, Other people advocate having more of a bent index finger and having the tip of it indexed against a particular point on your uh, pistol. On a Glock, it may be the takedown whatever that's called, lever. takedown lever. Um, but to me, when you, ha- when you have a bent... Man, that fi- Glock Armory School really paid <laughs> off for me there. <laughs> when you have a bent trigger finger and, and you're indexing uh, with the tip of your finger, there's some pressure inward going there, and I think that if that finger were to get knocked down and finds its way into the trigger guard... There's yeah, a chance I, I that, you're gonna, that. that you're going to press the trigger, whereas with my index finger being flat, there's no pressure being exerted either in toward the pistol or downward that would be uh, likely to cause the trigger to be pressed. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. You know, just, I, I like to keep it even extra high sometimes, and if you're in a situation like that where you are hands-on or something, it's just kind of a, a weird thing all the way around. Um, uh, switching gears a little bit, any, uh, any new guns, any new toys lately? You know, nothing real new. Um, I know you get your shit for free usually, so... <laughs> No, I mean, no, nothing, nothing real new lately. I'm looking forward to. I think I mentioned it last time we talked about uh, the new Sig uh, VTAC, you know, 320. Um, what what really intrigues me about that one is the trigger break at a 90 degree, and that that's really. Did cool. we figure out if that thing has 14 dots on it or not? Uh, it's got six. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, the VTAC sights, which are really it's good, a five too many. They're really good, um, but they do. They could be a little confusing, I guess, uh, initially. It's like Mars attacks. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you got to find what works for you. Oh, speaking I, of sights, I played with those um, Meprolite Bullseye FTs. Oh yeah, I don't know if I talked about that. Recently. Yeah, you mentioned it. Did I? No, you I, mentioned that you were going to get them. Yeah, you know, I, I was playing with them a little bit. A lot of people have actually asked me about those, like more than. I would have thought. Um, 
it's a it's a no for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad system. The problem comes in with me having trained so long as far as uh, like the ready, you know, high ready, low ready, you know, all the like staging positions. Mm-hmm. And when you're punching out, when I punch out, I look for my front sight. And it just nat- naturally kind of, you know, rotates. So with with having no front sight on the gun, all of a sudden, it, it really kind of changes the the draw, the ready positions, everything for me. And I'm not ready to give that up for, for the, I don't see any benefits of the, the bullseye um, sights. Now, the other problem I had was, I think at like eight, nine, maybe 10 yards, that, that dot on them covered up at least the whole head, yeah, if not more yeah. than that. You know, I brought out my uh, Glock 17 with the Delta Point Pro, and it's a, it has a Duick defense mount, so a built-in front sight, and it just mounts into the uh, rear, tail, si- yeah. rear sight notch. But it's very secure, surprisingly yeah. very, very secure. Um, so I brought it to the last time that we had uh, range day at the police department, and I let the other firearms instructors and, and some other uh, shooters uh, try it out, and most of them loved it. Now, most of them, it took them longer to get their first shot off because they're trying to find the red dot. Yeah. And on that particular pistol that I have, there is no uh, front sight up front. The front sight is built in, yeah. you know, um, so it's very close to the uh, window of the Delta Point Pro. But what what I found and what they all confirmed was that shot to shot, uh, they were able to get on target faster because it's, it's quick to pick up that, yeah. in this case, it's a Delta. It's a red Delta yeah, that yeah. you're looking through. But that triangle for 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 people out there. So it's a difficult, you know, it it may slow down your first shot, especially until you get some time on that gun. But once you get the hang of it, uh, you can really pick that up quite fast and recoil compared to iron sights. To to me, like on my um, gun with an RDS on it, um, my Glock, I have the suppressor sights on it. So I still have that front sight, still have something to look at when I'm punching out or, you know, depending on the situation. And the way I look at it is I'd rather not retrain my entire system for one gun mm-hmm. and then be kind of different on everything else. You know, it's just not yeah. enough of a, a, a pull for me. Like those sites just aren't enough for me to change everything. Mm-hmm. They, 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 I don't, I mean, I wouldn't change them even if I, I, I wouldn't use them even if I hadn't, didn't have to change anything, mm-hmm. but they're just not. I, I think that that's the future, man. I, th- I think that in the future, iron sights are going to be, they'll still be. See, I think the opposite. Nah, they'll still be around, but they're going to be less and less prevalent. And the thing is, Mike, is because... I don't agree with you on that. The, yeah, the process is so much simplified. See, I think it is with irons. Uh, that's because you're used to it. But when you take a No, new- no, no. I'm, I've been you know, carrying and shooting a red dot gun for you know, three, four years mm-hmm. now. You know, early, and then I've had them way before that, really early adopter of them. And you know, talking to other guys, other trainers and everything that, that kind of were really early adopters of mm-hmm. them, Less and less, they're still using them. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, you're so uh, proficient and so used to shooting with iron sights. Whereas if you take two people and you sh- try to teach them sight alignment, sight picture with iron sights, and then you say, "Put this red dot on which you want the bullet to hit." The, the, no, that, I, I get that point, but you know, you're you're talking about simplicity. There's you know, the, the, there's no batteries. There's no other things to no, go you wrong. You know, slimmer holster shit. We when we were uh, what class was I in? I don't even remember. I was in a pistol class where the first day I was using my normal carry gun, um, yeah. you know, with the with the RDS on it. And by the end of the day, I had switched to another Glock 19, which is red dot or with just irons on it. My groups didn't change. My draws didn't change. Yeah. You know, it's just as good and it's a lot simpler for me. Mm-hmm. Problem is, I've had to send back like four or five of those uh, RMRs now really? because the electronics packages go out uh-huh. all the time. So every other shot, I have a dot. You know. Yeah, I mean that's where 
I'm big on whatever you have. You have to have redundancy in yeah. iron sights. I mean, you otherwise you're asking for for trouble now at close range or even at typical shooting distances you can probably point shoot through the window of one of those uh rmrs yeah. or delta point pro you know um but that's less than ideal no it definitely is you know but i i i don't know you know i know all these companies are coming out with you know guns that are cut for the for the rmrs and all the different stuff i just I like the irons, man. Um, and that's the opposite of a, like on the carbine and give me irons. Yeah. I'm screwed. Well, but, see, you know. but here's the thing. And that's another advantage of that is because you're having the same sight picture, whereas you're looking at a red dot and superimposing that over your target with both, you know, yeah. and I get that. But with a carbine, what's nice is you have that shoulder stock, you know, you can find that dot mm -hmm. a lot easier. I've seen, the other thing is I've seen new shooters try to draw and just are pointing that gun in every which direction and not downrange. You know what I mean? Just trying oh, to find the dot. Man. It's like the dot isn't at a 45 degree up <laughs> angle. You know what I mean? Or or 30 degrees to your left. Yeah, if you're aiming at the yeah. ceiling and yeah. the guy behind you, you're not looking for your dot, you know? Um, so there's that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be an iron guy, I think. And it's funny because I got a gun on me right now that has a red dot saying that well here's the thing though once your eyesight starts to go a little bit you know when you get to be as old as uh grandfather dave i'm gonna tell know. him you said that i'll send him just that part no don't do it <laughs> just kidding dave anyway mike uh with all that knowledge dump i think we should probably think about wrapping this one up sounds good sir yeah we'll try to be back a little sooner for you guys um as always if you have any questions any comments any topics that you want to hear us talk about um, or any questions you want answered, uh, hit us up at podcast at thehollowpoint.net. That's our email. Twitter is at thppodcast and facebook.com slash thehollowpointpodcast. Um, all the episodes, like always, are on iTunes or on uh, Google Play, I think, uh, and uh, everything else, you know, on the website, hollowpoint.net, has, uh, has all the, the stuff you need. So thank you for listening, and we will be back soon. Adios. Thank you.